Hello and welcome. We're here with Alex Claxton, who is an advisor to governments in the former Soviet Union and expert on the post-Soviet space. Um, today we're going to talk about um, the announcement of the UK government minister that Russian players could be barred from Wimbledon if they don't denounce Vladimir Putin. But first, I thought I'd get your opinion, Alex. You're obviously Russian. Um, how have things felt in the UK in the past in the past few weeks since the invasion? Have you noticed a big change in your life or your family's life? Well, we haven't seen a kind of a direct impact on us. Obviously, we've been in the UK for over twenty years now, so we're very much assimilated into into the kind of UK society. But it's been strange to notice that um, kind of the world and especially the UK seem to uh, seem to suggest that almost every Russian is, is responsible for the conflict, which does almost create uh, some kind of a feeling that a Russian person ought to be ashamed uh, of, of being a Russian person. Um, I think that's quite unprecedented, really. You know, from in previous conflicts, we've, we've never seen a situation where uh, a particular government suggests that all nation and all citizens of a particular nation should carry the burden of, of a decision made by by the government, um, and um, and so that, that that's been quite um, quite quite difficult to process, really, um, because you do start to wonder whether indeed you do carry um, any responsibility for the decision, even though you are based we are as a family based in the UK, but nevertheless you do still to think, well, have I have I played any role in this? Um, so, from that point of view, yeah, it's, it's been it's been rather difficult, uh, but obviously, fortunately, we've had no kind of direct impact uh, from this. Good um, I do think back. I sort of think back to the World Cup, and I think things were starting to actually change. I think Russia's soft power was mm -hmm. increasing. There was a, a bit of mistrust. I'd say more from establishment than the public in general towards Russia, which was responsible for quite a low turnout among England fans, but everybody saw that that tournament was fantastic and we sort of likened Russians more to ourselves until this happened. Um, and I think it's interesting, this approach of making sort of individual Russians feel bad, whether it's Russians in other countries, whether it's athletes. And I think there's an irony to that, that it almost shows a degree of faith in the Russian people that we wouldn't have somewhere else likening them sort of to us in that we think Russians might be able to change Putin's approach, athletes might be able to speak out and potentially stop this war. And I think if it was, say, China in the same situation, we might just say, well, it's a dictatorship. What's the point in stopping athletes? Mm -hmm. They can't do a thing. I mean, what, what do you think of that? Well, yeah, I do think there is a perhaps hope from, from countries that are obviously opposed to Russia that uh, Russian people will... Um, Will position themselves as, as as those that are opposed to the conflict. Of, of course, there are there, there are a significant number of people in Russia that do not support the war. Obviously, including myself and and my family. Um, at the same time, I, I think it has to be acknowledged that also, perhaps even a majority. It's always hard to tell in Russia because obviously a lot of the uh, polling organizations are, are kind of state run, so it's difficult to know the the kind of the exact numbers of people who actually support the war or who oppose the war. But from from what I can tell, it it looks like the majority are kind of take the take Vladimir Putin's position um, on the war. Obviously, the the kind of the state propaganda does play a role in that as well. The Russian state state propaganda, um, and 
especially now in the in the kind of in the in the in the regions of Russia, you know, outside of Moscow, St. Petersburg, perhaps not many people uh, use kind of internet resources and and social media to to get information. So it might be quite difficult for them to actually get a, a different opinion um, on it. Um, but I think the idea that the Russian people can influence Vladimir Putin is uh, it shows kind of a misunderstanding of, of what Russia is like because Vladimir Putin essentially just makes all the decisions himself. Um, not even his closest advisors and allies in the Kremlin can influence him. And I think we saw that with this conflict where uh, you know all of them kind of stood stood in line and just just basically told Putin what he wanted to hear. So the idea that just that ordinary people can have any influence, or even the oligarchs as well, um, I think that's why obviously a lot of the sanctions are being placed on oligarchs with the hope that they will also rise up and tell Putin, look, you have to change course. But I think it was, um, I think it was Friedman, one of the Russian oligarchs that, that mentioned just, I think just yesterday or this week, that it just shows complete misunderstanding of, of Russia. You know, oligarchs have no influence on Putin whatsoever, uh, never mind ordinary, ordinary people. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously, come on now to the statement this this UK sports minister made. Uh, not the not the culture secretary who's in charge of sport, but a minister. So certainly looks the way the government's leaning. It says mm -hmm. it needs to go beyond that, referring to Russians competing as neutral athletes. We need some potential assurance that they are not supporters of Vladimir Putin, and we are considering what requirements we may need to get assurances along those lines. Now that's. Um, quite a strong statement and quite a significant yeah. escalation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a strange one. It kind of opens uh, a kind of worms, really, and uh, it, it's, it's a bit of a slippery slope, really, uh, and quite unprecedented in many ways. Obviously, first of all, I don't think there are any, any precedent, uh, again, in the past for when a particular athlete uh, had to speak out against his government, his or her government, in order to participate uh, in, a, um, uh, in, in a sporting uh, competition. Um, and I just, I don't understand how this would work on, on, a, on a practical level, especially with, with Russia, because uh, as, as you may know, Russia has, has just kind of announced quite, quite stringent and strict rules uh, regarding actually criticizing the war. Uh, well, just to be frank, you essentially not really allowed to um, uh, to criticize the government's decision regarding the, the conflict. And in fact, you can't even use the, war, the word war uh, in Russia or you, you, may, you might face not just a fine, but actually time, time in prison. Um, so uh, if, if indeed this, uh, this ruling by the UK minister were to go forward, it would kind of place the Russian athletes uh, in an impossible situation between kind of a rock and a hard place, really, but where on the one side, if if they don't um, denounce Putin, they might not be able to partake uh, in a particular sporting competition. But at the same time, if they do, um, they may they may get arrested in Russia uh, for that. Um, so uh, it, it it doesn't seem to me like a feasible way forward. Um, and on, on a kind of a more holistic basis. Uh, I, I do feel it's it's it, it is a bit of a slippery slope. I mean, going forward, you know, how, how would this work with with you know with other countries? Would you know Chinese athletes would they need to also denounce what's happening in Xinjiang, for example, or Tibet? Uh, you know, would would British athletes need to uh, come out and speak out against you know Britain selling weapons to Saudi Arabia, for example? I mean, where does it stop? You know, um, I think. Uh, Whilst denouncing the war is is probably a, a right thing, going as far as actually 
uh, you know, criticizing or, or having to criticize your own government in order to participate in in, in a sporting competition does seem a bit, uh, you know, going over the line for me. And um, you know, there is also an issue, perhaps, of of just general kind of free speech and just being able to actually have a certain opinion because. Whilst you might be against the war, and as I said, most people are, including myself, there are many, many people in Russia who still believe, for better or worse, that Putin is a good leader. Now, obviously, it might be quite difficult for Western people to understand that, you know, how could any Russian consider Putin to be a good leader? But that's the situation. So a lot of Russians might actually be against the war, but still feel that Putin is a, is a good leader. So for these athletes as well, um, they might denounce the war, but they might actually still feel that Putin is is, is fine as, as a president of Russia. So it, it puts them in, in a, such a difficult position. I, I'm just not sure that it's feasible. Yeah, I, I'm glad to agree. I think, um, obviously, we saw in the first week, um, Andrei Rublev wrote No War on a Camera, which was um, with no with no prompting, which was a very brave thing to do. Mm. And I sort of feel like, does this maybe, if Britain were to follow this approach, would it sort of undermine athletes speaking out in Russia because they were previously able to say what they thought off their own back. Now the government would have a line which would be sort of half true, which is you're only saying this because you want to keep your sporting tournaments. I think Putin in a speech this week already went down that line, sort of referring more to oligarchs than athletes, but saying there are some people who's in Russia whose minds are abroad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's right. And uh, I mean, you do also wonder that uh, whether um, there will be pressure from from Russians uh, on these athletes not to participate uh, in competitions where the athlete is required to to speak out against the the, the, the government um, uh, in Russia. And um, it it does go back to this point of actually of actually suggesting that all Russians are in some way responsible uh, for, for this conflict and um, all of them need to carry some kind of a burden, um, uh, you know, going going forward. And, um, you know, I think uh, it's, um, it's a situation that uh, kind of, a, it's a bit of a Pandora's box really, where you could see other countries uh, starting to, you know, if the UK government goes forward with this, you can see, you know, other Russia making the same, obviously, rules as well. So if they were to ever host another competition, which obviously doesn't seem likely for now, but they may well do at some point, they might also do, do something similar where, you know, they will make American athletes, you know, condemn uh whatever you know drone attacks in in the middle east or uh you know previous wars that america has taken part in so it, it just creates such a such a strange scenario where just countries uh, uh you know require athletes to to speak out against their own government in order to participate and I, I just don't think it's a good idea yeah i, mean, I think we already had in different situation but the soviet war in afghanistan we had tit for tat olympic boycotts between um united states in 1980 and soviet union in 1984 and it sort of acknowledged that they didn't they weren't really successful and they didn't really make that much of a difference um just moving on um, this refers obviously to Wimbledon and tennis. Um, can you tell us a bit about what the profile is of tennis in Russia and how famous these players, obviously Medvedev, US Open champion, and Rubiev Kachanov are in Russia? Yeah, I think I think you know tennis broadly is, is starting to become more more popular in Russia. Um, I mean, historically, uh, it hasn't been one of the top sports that that, that is followed by, by Russians. Obviously. Uh, 
according to kind of the latest statistics that I looked into recently, I think football is is the number one sports uh, in Russia, which is which actually surprising to me. I was I was thought it's going to be ice hockey, but that actually comes second. Um, so you know, I guess maybe the 2018 World Cup also played a part in it and actually spreading the popularity of football. Uh, now tennis actually comes sort of around fifth or sixth in terms of popularity in Russia. Uh, you know, behind, as I said, football, ice hockey, uh, basketball, volleyball, and uh, kind of, you know, martial arts, like, um, uh, you know, like boxing, etc. Um, so whilst it's not uh, kind of one of the one of the top three or four sports in the country, its popularity is growing. Uh, obviously, in the past, uh, Russians had very famous and quite quite skillful Russian um, female uh, tennis players. Uh, but now obviously we're seeing more and more kind of uh, male tennis players also also becoming quite good in the, in the sport. So their popularity is growing, but it's also important to know that um, uh, that Medvedev has actually, because of his because of his actions and because of all this controversy, his profile is also rising in in Russia. But you know, you could say for for all the all the wrong reasons, right? You know, his um, his kind of his outbursts recently um, on the tennis field, and then now because of this situation with with Wimbledon, um, his uh, yeah, he's becoming a more of a kind of a media figure in Russia. Uh, but not for his uh, kind of tennis skills, but more kind of political controversies surrounding him. So, are you saying basically that you think um, Daniel Medvedev, for example, is not um, somebody that, if he did speak out, would be top of the list of athletes that could influence the Russian people in how they think? He'd be quite a sort of parochial figure. Mm. Yeah, I mean he. Uh, as I said, because yeah, because tennis is not as as popular as, as some other sports, you know, he doesn't carry that that, that sort of weight uh, as perhaps some some athletes do. You know, um, uh, for example, the the Russian uh, national football team. Uh, you know, there are a few individuals um, who who do actually carry quite quite a lot of influence. You know, in, in, including uh, Artem Zuba, who uh, who used to captain captain Russia, for example. He has a very strong following. Uh, among amongst many many Russians, uh, whilst uh, Medvedev, um, it's it's uh, substantially less. You know, I think even on his um, on his social media platforms, like especially like on Instagram, well, which has been banned now in Russia, but nevertheless, even before, um, I think he has less than one million followers, uh, and Instagram is actually uh, one of the most popular uh, social media platforms in Russia. So the very fact that he has kind of one, less than one million followers is still an indication that he doesn't have uh, uh, perhaps as much influence as one would think, given that he, well, I think he's still number one in tennis, but he's just about to lose his uh, his title following his loss uh, in the third round. Um, so if the Western countries think that uh, by him kind of denouncing Putin, he would have any influence, I think they're mistaken. Yeah. Um, so obviously you said um, there would be certainly consequences for athletes that spoke out in Russia. Um, I think one thing was that there was a, um, I think it was a 13-year prison sentence that Russia introduced for I believe, denigrating the war effort, effectively uh, suggest, suggesting, criticising the war, suggesting Russia's losing when they say yeah. they're winning. Um, do you think um, the Russian government would ever go as far as 
trying to impose one of these sanctions on like prison sentences on athletes or do you think it would be more the public pressure on athletes that would stop them um doing what mm -hmm. the british government's asked yeah i i just think that if they if the athlete plans to continue to 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 live in russia and you know to be based in russia their hands are tied really they, they just i can't see a way how they can criticize the the war or the government's the Russian government's decision to 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 invade Ukraine um, because they they fall under firing line both from the government because yeah as, as you said they they might get severely fined or arrested um, and the the pressure from the public will be so severe that they won't be able to participate in any events uh, in Russia there there've been uh, several uh, kind of well-known Russian people not not from the field of sports, but kind of celebrities, you know, like singers, actors, uh, you know, bloggers, etc., who had to leave Russia uh, on a, permanently uh, because they spoke out against the war. So, uh, unfortunately, there is a situation in Russia where if you do criticize the war or, or the government of Russia, you have to you have to relocate you know you can't you can't stay in russia and that, that's a that, that's kind of the unfortunate truth of the situation there so for many athletes i think you know in football especially we've seen um certain ukrainian footballers um you know criticizing russian footballers for not speaking out but as i said the, the, their hands are tied in many ways you know if, if they were to speak out they, they will probably never play football in russia again um and obviously they, they 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 can't put their career uh on hold you know despite the the the, the horrendous situation that's happening in ukraine yeah yeah i'm trying i'm trying to make an analogy um the only way i can think of with british athletes would be if somehow argentina was the world's ultimate sporting superpower and it'd be quite a plausible situation is that they'd say well if you're a british athlete and you want to play in our tournament in argentina you have to say that the falkland islands malvinas are argentinian and you must denounce the british government and if any british athlete did that then our press we would be absolutely spitting feathers at them i'm not saying they'd go to prison but they'd have no influence on the British public ever again. So it's hard to believe that it's something that's as emotive to Russians and as close to Russia as what's happening, that mm -hmm. Britain or any other country would think that this is the way to go. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, um, so moving on finally to um, where do you think this is going now? Um, first of all, where do you think by the time Wimbledon happens, for example, the war in Ukraine is going to be? And um, what do you think that will mean for Russian athletes? And when do you think Russian athletes will be back into the fold as normal athletes? Yeah, well, in terms of the war, um, obviously it's difficult to predict anything, but there appear to be some progress in, in terms of the diplomatic negotiations which are taking place um, between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, obviously, everything I know comes from 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 what I hear in the news. But there are suggestions that uh, Russian demands uh, seem to be kind of lessening. Obviously, in, in the initially, uh, there were suggestions that Putin wanted essentially a regime change uh, in Ukraine and perhaps to take over uh, the whole of Ukraine. Um, given that the Russian war effort is doesn't seem to be going uh, to plan, according to many military experts. 
there have been suggestions made that Putin may agree uh, to just essentially uh, Ukraine to become a neutral, a military neutral country. Um, there are kind of difficult difficult discussions around the status of Crimea and the Donbass region. Um, but uh, representatives of Turkey, which are currently acting as kind of mediators between Ukraine and Russia, seem to be suggesting that a, a, a diplomatic resolution to the conflict uh, is, is feasible. Um, so I would hope and I would think that by by June, when when Wimbledon is uh, is to take place, the war would end uh, at least the kind of the hot phase of it. I mean, there might be st still some kind of uh, some shootings, perhaps in the in in and around the, the Donbass region. But I would I would hope that the the Russian troops would pull out of of Ukraine by uh, by June. At the same time, I don't feel, I don't think that the sanctions that have been placed on Russia will be lifted uh, straight away. Uh, and I don't think that the athletes will be able to play um, under the Russian flag uh, as early as June. Uh, I think uh, they would still continue to, to represent Russia as a neutral athlete. Um, but hopefully if the war uh, was to end by, by June, I would hope that the UK government would drop the requirement of, of, of Russian athletes to, to kind of denounce, denounce Putin. A, that, that would still seem extremely, uh, uh, extremely severe, really, when the, when the war is no longer uh, ongoing. Um, but nevertheless, I do feel that for the foreseeable future, Russian, Russian athletes will, will feel that kind of weight on their shoulders. And I, I, I do think that it's going to be quite difficult for them going forward. I can imagine plenty of plenty of people and kind of in the audience not really uh, responding well to to Russian athletes. You know, we might see some booing. We might we might hear some just kind of uh, comments from the audience, etc. Um, and that's the kind of going back to the very start of our conversation. That's the unfortunate truth that that many Russians are essentially been thrown in with with the government really and, and made and made to feel responsible for what happened in, in in ukraine yeah i mean i'm sort of inclined to i'm inclined to agree with you um about what's going to happen moving forward like i've just as i think you have as well called it very wrong before i think we both thought there's no way in a million years that there was going to be yeah. an invasion like countries don't invade other countries um russia's never done carried out a regime change or a full-scale invasion of a country of war. Um, but yeah, I think um, obviously the deals, the deals looks like it's getting close to be, being done. I think Zelensky wants to do a deal. I'm not sure Zelensky personally has ever been that keen on joining NATO. It's can he overcome um, the Ukrainian public support for joining NATO? Um, so I think if a deal can be done, then we're probably looking at a lot of the sanctions on individual Russians are going away while ones on the government continue due to the general mistrust. Um, I just wonder about another scenario. What if Ukraine, if Zelensky can't convince the Ukrainian people, the Ukrainian parliament to agree to a deal? And that I think is a more worrying scenario because I think we're still very much in the phase of what Putin calls a special operation where Russia's bypassing cities, it's trying to block off the Ukrainian army, it's using high precision weapons, it's not on a true, it doesn't seem like it's on a true war footing yet. Um, and I have a bit of a worry that if Zelensky can't get a deal through in Ukraine, then 
that would be the pretext for Putin to say, well, it's Ukraine that doesn't want to compromise. And now we're moving to the war phase where we're going to do whatever it takes to conquer Ukraine and get a change in approach from them. I mean, it, it is a possibility. I guess I would add a few a few points here. I mean, first of all, obviously, Ukraine also carries a, a very heavy burden of, of this war. You know, first of all, the, the casualties, obviously, there have been suggestions that the Russian army has, has carried more casualties, casualties than they expected. But we have to also acknowledge that Ukrainian forces are also taking severe hits as well uh, from, from the Russians. Secondly, the Ukrainian economy is is obviously tanking because because of the war. Um, I think um, the World Bank and IMF said that the uh, Ukraine's economy could uh, could kind of decrease anywhere between ten and thirty percent, uh, depending on how long the war uh, goes on. And of course, just the the humanitarian crisis as well is um, is not stopping. And I think the latter point about the about the the humanitarian crisis is an important one because I think we would see some pressure perhaps from from Europe and potentially from the United States for Ukraine to agree to to a deal um, which benefits all sides. Obviously, there's no way that Ukraine will agree to something that they feel is uh, is completely unacceptable to them. And from that from that in that regard, I think that the status of Crimea is especially is especially challenging, you know, um, to agree uh that Crimea is essentially Russian territory um that would obviously be quite a heavy blow to the Ukrainian pride etc even though on the ground Crimea has, has essentially become Russian territory and, I, and there's just I don't see any way that Russia would ever give it back um but nevertheless I think uh I think uh if a good deal uh, is in place where the war can end and where Ukraine can become a military neutral country whilst at the same time being able to continue to develop its cooperation with Europe and perhaps one day join the EU, whether it's you know in five years or 10 years, then I think we'll see pressure from Europe and the United States on Ukraine to, to agree to such a deal. Okay, um, I guess we've got time for today. Um, so thank you very much, Alex. Thank you. Thank you, Sam.